Stilettos and Stouts. I am Christy. I am your host. And with me in a studio for the first time, we're actually recording in the same room, is we Ryan. <laughs> Hello, everybody. We are live above the lovely dojo of comedy at Tiff's Grill and Ale House in Morris Plains. A uh, huge thank you to them for letting us use the, the space today. So uh, we are here. We're going to record in person. <laughs> and unfortunately, we are coming to you at the end of uh, a devil season. But I will say, honestly, now that it's over, having some perspective, what a ride, man. And that's what it's all about, right? It's all about perspective. I've been saying this all season. Like, the way I look at it from a media perspective is different from the fan perspective, from the player perspective, all the way to the coaching perspective. It's completely different. Now, the team exceeded expectations like we knew they would. The minute they qualified for the playoffs, we knew they exceeded expectations. And you and I kind of said that they were playing with, with house money. When they got into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. My one caveat was, it's the Rangers. you got to beat the Rangers. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it was just like, all right. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to beat Carolina desperately. But it, it really felt at that point that they had accomplished just so much for such a young team. Yeah, and Carolina, I mean, and I've said this so many times, but I think people are forgetting Carolina's been picked to be a Stanley Cup winner for so many seasons. So... So there's no shame in losing to that Carolina team. And as a fan of the sport, the Eastern Conference final that fans deserve is the Carolina Hurricanes versus the Florida Panthers. It's going to be a knockdown dragout series. Um, I thought Carolina's forecheck was exceptional. I also thought there was a way for the Devils to to break it, and I never saw them make that adjustment. Mm -hmm. From my eyes, it said play it quick up the boards instead of trying to do your thing through the middle of the ice, which they did a great job of taking away. Rod Brindamar is probably top three coaches in the league every year. Um, And kudos to them. Great game plan. Um, we, they did a really terrible job of what they were good at all year, which was high-volume shooting, mm-hmm. especially in the first three games. Um, four and five, they got back to it a little more. Yeah. Um, uh, I was at game four, and we met up between yeah. periods one and two, um, where they had just given up that tying goal. And I said to you then, I'm like, another giveaway in the end of two, mm-hmm. and they're, they're done. Um, and they just came back out and laid a complete egg. But So it was good to see them come back with fire. Play-wise, I felt yeah. like they deserved to win game five, mm-hmm. but they didn't, so. And, you know, for me, and I've always said this, you know, you, when you listen to, like, the Tampa Bay Lightning players talk after they win their championship and the Colorado Avalanche players after they won their cup, mm-hmm. they all talked about the hard losses that you have to go through in the postseason. Yeah. And I don't think that losing to Carolina, like, it's always hard to lose, don't get me wrong. But again, I don't think there's shame in losing to a team like Carolina, but I think the way that they lost was devastating because you don't want to see them lose in overtime with a delay a game penalty on the penalty kill. Uh, and can I just say, can I just vent for two seconds? Go. At no point can you blame one player for that loss. Like, I saw people were blaming... Siegenthaler, I saw a lot of people in my comments were blaming Tatar. You win as a team, you lose as a team. Because if Tatar passed the puck back to Siegenthaler and he had it and it wasn't rolling on him and he just passed it to his defensive partner, mm-hmm. you've seen that play a million times throughout the season and nobody would have thought anything about it. You win as a team, you lose as a team. As a team. And I felt so bad for Siegenthaler, who's yeah. had such a great season. Um, I believe he is going to go play in Worlds. Yes. All right, awesome. Good for him. Um, and he, he even made some comments, uh, it, it seemed, uh, talking about how 
you know, he signed for less money because he believes in what's happening in New Jersey. Um, and that's going to kind of segue us into Jack's comments as well. Yes. And I think that's that's leading by example, to be honest with you. He went out and said, I'm going to sign this deal that I know in a few years I'm going to be underpaid. And I understand the bridging, the RFA years, taking a little less. I get it. But Jack Hughes at $8 million a year next year is an it's highway robbery. It's robbery. <laughs> and he, as a leader of the team, expects others to do the same. Hey, you want to be here? You want to be a part of what we're building? Let's roll and let's be smart about it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he's saying there. I don't think he's needling a single player. Well, and I think what's interesting is, like, last season, you had Miles Wood go up to the podium. And he was saying that, I think we're a couple of veterans away. I think at times we were too young in the mm-hmm. season and we yeah. needed some veteran voices. Enter Andre Palat, Eric Halla, Brendan Smith. And now it's like I was looking at the team and I was listening to them all, all talk and it goes, you kind of have the attitude of run it back. Yeah. Just run it back. Oh, like yeah. you have the pieces here, maybe add one or two guys. I know the goaltending is going to be a whole other issue again. I don't even want to talk about it. Leave I, the goaltender. I do at some point. I okay. don't have to do it right now, but I do at some point. I'm team... Roll it back with VTech and Schmid, and if you need to address it, you address it. Yeah. But th- throwing everything at Winnipeg to try and go get Connor Hellerbuck at whatever 30 years old he is and needing a new deal, I just think that's a terrible use of your resources. You've been so disciplined. Mm-hmm. You've been so good up until this point. You can't do it. Well, and I guess we will talk. We, we will talk about it. <laughs> I don't, yeah, like I was seeing, and again, and I understand that I think for sports fans in general, I think you kind of do the irrational approach first. Like you hear something and you just react to it. And mm-hmm. that's part of the fun. That's part of being a sports fan. But to sit down and say, oh, we need to trade Vanacek, he got you to the postseason. And that's what Jack was saying. Like it was a collaborative team effort. And if you want to yeah. look back on this season, there in November, the BMW line shined. When Jack was struggling, you saw Chitar step up and had like an eight-game point streak. Like this was really from October to the end was a collaborative team effort. And I don't think that you can just eliminate Vanacek because you weren't happy. Because guess what? He wasn't happy either. That no. man was crushed after Good. that game. Completely devastated. Like nobody wants to win more than the guys in that room. I felt so bad for him. And yeah. we talked about this a few shows back. He's exceeded the amount of time he's ever played in a mm-hmm. year by some ridiculous amount of games. Um, so I think to, for people to attack him, it's really unfair. Uh, and that's also part and parcel to uh, the Martin Brodeur experience mm-hmm. where you're never going to see a goalie starting 70 games a year. First of all, it, it's it's just a, in load management sense. The game is so much quicker. The shots, a wrist shot is a slap shot that Marty used to face. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a different game now. You're never going to see that. But I think Devils fans are so used to that. You heard it when Corey Schneider came in and people were like, oh, my God, he can't play the puck. Oh, oh, his rebound control. I'm like, why? Because he rebounds it into the corner. Um, he, was, he was a high-level goalie until he hurt his hip, which – it was a whole different conversation we can have. But every everything's been not good enough for Devil fans ever since Brodeur's retired. Well, and again, I think you look at Vanacek, he only played three postseason games before this season with New Jersey. Yeah. So it's not like he had 25, 50 games of experience under his no. belt and you look at him and say, Oh, this is a like this is a Connor Hellebuck. 
that we brought in to shine in the postseason. Like, you have him and Akira who are still, like, developing in that sense. Completely. And the playoffs are a different beast. Yeah, completely different beast. Um, and a, Akira in the playoffs was just good for him. Even that last game, all three of those goals were tippins. Mm-hmm. You can't kill him for any of those. He has this weird, calm, zen thing to him. Does that come so, across in person? He's so calm. He's so mellow. He seems it, man. I want to know. Like, I just want to study him <laughs> to be like, how do you do this in life? Because I need to know. I know his dad is super into martial arts. Have, have we ever asked him if he practiced martial arts? He said that he got it from his dad. He said that he gets his yeah. demeanor from his father. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. like a thing that you're able to do. Um, I had some like really weird, aggressive interactions on Twitter recently where people got very, very irrational with me. And it was a, a person who had made irrational comments in the past, and I keep receipts. Um, <laughs> and one of my favorite things to do is to stay completely rational mm-hmm. and level-headed. And I said it then. I'm like, I spend it like it's my money. That's how I talk about spending like mm-hmm. the franchise's money. Because as far as I'm concerned, as a season ticket holder, it is my money. Yeah. So um, I look at it from that standpoint and people talking about like just because they like somebody wanting to bring them back. I'm like, you can't do that. It's a business. You have to be smart about it. Yeah. Um, speaking of bringing people back, uh, Eric Halla, I will I will buy your jersey if you resign with the Devils. I will buy your jersey the day you sign your contract. I will post about it and I will buy your jersey the day you sign. The evolution of the fan base's reaction to Eric Halla was a fascinating one to watch wild and not for me though I've been consistent and I've been consistent we both have (laughs) and it's so funny because when he spoke one he was one of the players that he spoke yesterday and he left and I said I can't wait to re-listen to his interview and transcribe it because it's just and the thing with him too from my standpoint of interacting with him is he always sits down and when you ask him a question he really like thinks about it and he thinks about an answer and he articulates it back to you it's not just a cliche when it comes to him And him saying, and I think, too, it says a lot about this team that he has been all over the place. Yeah. And for him to find and attach himself to this group, to say to Fitzgerald during his exit interview, let's get it done. Like, I'm ready to sign. I think that says so much about a veteran player that's like, nope, this is my home. I love it. I love it so much. I think he's got, there's something about him that, that, kind of just embodies this whole team. I also play games with my wife sometimes with hockey players where I'm like, where's he from mm-hmm. when they talk? And that was one of the ones I did. I go, where's he from? And she's like, no, North America. Like, full stop, didn't miss a beat, was like, North America. I'm like, he's Finnish. Yeah. So, because people don't, I think his grasp of English is very, very good. Oh, yeah, it's very, very it's good. It's really good. And a lot of those guys' English is is fantastic. Yeah. It's not like you're dealing with uh, the Russian guys coming over here in the 90s that don't speak the language. I mean, most of these kids grow up speaking English, I would assume. Yeah, I think Sharon Govich is the only one that kind of struggles yeah, I was a little say bit. Russians and Belarusians and yeah. Eastern Bloc players, I think, would have more struggles than a lot of your... Scandinavians and mm-hmm. and guys of that ilk, but I mean, I, he seems like he just connects with this young core. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it seems like Jack loves him to death. Jack does love him. <laughs> that's fantastic. And that, but that's the thing though that I found so funny yesterday and ironic is when Jack and uh, Eric were playing together earlier in the season, and fans were like, "Lindy's senile. He shouldn't have these two together." And somebody finally asked. You know, basically, why are these two playing together? And Lindy said, Jack loves playing with Eric. 
you had all the, the fans on on social media that yeah. were like, Jack must have had a gun to his head. Like, Jack doesn't know what he's talking about because they were so adamant that the two didn't belong together. And then after Jack says yesterday, I'm a huge Eric Hall fan, everyone in the comments <laughs> is like, oh, like all of us. And I'm like, wait, what? No, none I'm of like, you. what are you guys? And I, I mean, it's the fun, right? It, I guess it's the fun of sports. But from like my perspective, I was yeah. like, does anybody remember what this was like in like November, December? Because you guys all wanted Hall off the Team. Oh, traded. What a mistake. Well, it was still better than Zaka. That was my favorite one. Well, he's still better than Zaka, even when he was like struggling. Here, that was the kick on Zaka on the way I, out the door. I still stand by when I wrote this last summer. The trade for Eric Holla and Pavel Zaka was a win win for both organizations, oh, at absolutely. least last year. I'm not saying the future, but for last season, that was a win win trade for everybody. I think it's a win win trade, like kind of forever at this point. You know, you've You've got Halla entrenched in this team now. And and let's be honest, look at this team. Zaka wasn't playing on this team. No. Where was he playing? It you know unless he, unless he was willing to adapt his play like number twenty, who had he was the one of the best players on that ice for the Devils in the Carolina series. Yes. His play driving is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And that guy absolutely deserves a look at your third line center next year. It's really funny because you have certain players that you just look at them and you say, this player is built for the postseason. And when I did like a Q&A on Twitter, someone mentioned Miles, uh, Mc- Michael McLeod to me. And I said, McLeod is everything in the playoffs that I thought Miles Wood would be. Yes, exactly. That's how, exactly. thank you. That's how I described it. And when you hear McLeod talk, it really made sense because he goes, you know, there. this isn't about plays from the blue line. This is just simple, hard hockey. Yeah. And that's why I think you saw him. And even though Bastion didn't get a point, I thought there were moments where Bastion was very noticeable in the postseason, whether it was on the penalty kill or mm-hmm. just like hitting the bodies along the boards. Like I thought he did his job. Yeah, I thought he did his job. Well, I thought everybody uh, down at that end of the lineup did their job. You know, you had you had Brat getting muscled off a lot of pucks. Mm-hmm. Nico looked snake bitten. Nico, Nico's face just, he constantly looked desperate to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just want to see that out of your young captain. Yeah. He looked like he desperately wanted to succeed in every scenario. And it looked, he looked crushed after that game. But I want to see that. Mm-hmm. I want this to hurt you. I want them to think about this all summer long when they're training. Mm-hmm. Which, a real quick training note, did you hear the group of people that the Hughes brothers train with? Yeah. It's a who's who of the national development team, NHL players. Yeah. And Luke goes, yeah, there's a lot of money on that ice. Yeah, that's what he <laughs> which said. Which is hilarious. Luke's pretty funny. I feel is he like funny? Luke I feel like he might be low-key low key a hoot, right? Yeah, he's low-key funny. Like, yeah. he'll kind of just say things. Like, even when he was, like, laughing, he's like, I don't even know what I was saying. Like, he seems like... <laughs> that's great. Because I think what you... There's certain... And again, there's... All the guys have different personalities. And you kind of see, like, he's a kid. And he's kind of like low key funny like that because he doesn't take himself too seriously. There was actually a really funny moment. And I don't know if I ever shared this on the show. When Luke first came over, he was talking with me with uh, the media, and his locker was right next to Curtis Lazar, who was okay. a gem, by the way. Love Curtis played with Curtis is so nice. Is he the only player in the yes. NHL to play with all three Hughes brothers? Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Curtis was very excited about that when he first came <laughs> over. But Luke was sitting at his stall, and Curtis was standing there, and Curtis is like, "Luke, you got to stand during." 
your interviews. It's just more professional to stand. Don't sit when media come and talk to you. Uh And ever since then, when I saw Luke, Luke stands at a stall now. And I said, it's like the little things like that about like teaching kids how to be professionals. Yeah. And it was just like a little moment. But I noticed, I'm like, now Luke always stands after like I heard Curtis say that to him. That's adorable. He looked so poised on the ice, especially that, that last game. I mean, his composure with the puck, mm-hmm. you know, he got guilty a couple times of mm-hmm. trying to do too much, and that's just young kid. Yeah. But, man, man, is that skill level there. And uh, one, of the, one of the things I mentioned on, on Twitter, talking to some fans, um, I'm less nervous about him and Nemich both being on the team next year based on that small sample size. Luke looks like he's got the poise to pull it off, even if he were struggling. Um, I'd still love to live in a world where you don't have to bank on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there's no harm in letting a young defenseman cook. It's not like he was the destroyer of worlds in the AHL this year. Yeah. He was good. He was very good. But yeah. he wasn't like, oh, my God, he's playing against children. He needs to yeah. come up here now. Yeah. Um, so, but from that standpoint, uh, Luke Hughes never playing a game ever for the Utica Comets. It's, unless it's on, like, a rehab assignment. It ain't happening. It's... And it's funny because you know how my philosophy is. My philosophy is there's no need to rush, you know, because when you look at that. Yeah, our philosophy is very similar. Like young players make young mistakes. Like that's just, and it has nothing to do with their talent. It has nothing to do with their skill set or like their ceiling. It's just young. It's part of the journey. It's part of the experience. And I was talking to somebody and I said for next season, I said a pairing of John Marino and Luke Hughes is very intriguing to me. Yeah, that's potent. And don't forget how well Luke played on the right side. He played a lot of right D for Michigan. I watched a lot of Michigan hockey this mm-hmm. past few years. Um, that's why I'm on the boat of, don't get me wrong, Connor Bedard is the consensus number one. Adam Fantilli, not a bad consolation prize right. at all. You're going to have a mm-hmm. fine young player. Uh, but Luke can play the right side, and he can do it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you so, know. yeah, I think that uh, any questions, and again, it was a small sample size, but for Luke to come in and play in the playoffs the way he did and have the composure that he did, because we have to be honest, during the Carolina series, most of that team looked overwhelmed more times than not. They did. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just have to call a spade a spade. But what I thought was interesting was when I did that Q&A, someone mentioned about Brat being invisible in the playoffs. And I said, my philosophy is I never judge an individual performance in the playoffs until I get the injury report. Because sometimes you see, and it's like, oh, they were playing with like a collapsed lung. And you're like, well, yeah, no wonder they weren't doing anything. Brings me to Dougie Hamilton. I was just going to say Dougie with the wrist. Mm -hmm. As soon as I heard that, I was like, that makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. He looked tentative with the puck uh, the entire Carolina series. Yeah. Dougie, you had, I was interested, it was interesting that they never went into specifics with Jack's injury. Especially when it was after game five, uh, Lindy was like, oh, you know, it'll come out like, you know, soon what it was. Mm -hmm. But when they had the opportunity, maybe Fitzgerald will say something in uh, his presser because it's again, you found out that Dougie may or may not need surgery. They're in the process of figuring that out. And so I'm wondering if Jack is a situation that maybe, maybe not too. And again, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking because they, they kind of kept it hush-hush what it was, except I, upper body. I would love to know how much of the weight Brat put on in last offseason he lost over the course of the year. Because mm. they all lose weight throughout the year, right? Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, he looked like he was able to play a little bit more of a physical game. He would go wide around defensemen and be able mm-hmm. to lean in, push his way. Not not the way Timo does, but he was able to get a little bit more physical. Yeah, um, He looked like... 
he was getting thrown off the puck a lot. Uh, did he have any injuries? He, when someone asked him, he kind of just said that, you know, throughout the season, like players get banged up and yeah. stuff like that, but didn't actually say anything about it. Okay. Um, Because I think even Palat, and again, he was one of the first players that came out. I think Palat even made a comment and was like, you know, nobody was 100%. But we all knew that because every team says that every postseason. Nobody's mm. at 100% when the when the playoffs begin. Um, And then you had, you know, Bastion had his undisclosed injury that he was kind of dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe was potentially from the injury he got, you know, earlier in the season that just kind of like lingered on. And then you had Graves with an undisclosed injury which everyone kind of knew at that point there was something off with him because of his performance in the postseason. He didn't look correct. He no. just he didn't look the, like this rock-solid defenseman he was all year. Well, see, it was interesting because as I was watching the playoffs, I know in the beginning Graves and Marino were one of the top defensive pairs, like even in the league in the yeah. beginning of the year. And I said it's funny because I think at any point in the regular season, if you asked any fan, would they rather keep Damon or Ryan, I think majority would have said Ryan, just on the the size and the height and everything like that. My argument is I said when I watched the postseason, I'm going to say that Damon was probably one of the more consistent defensemen throughout the entire postseason. I know it makes for a bad show when we constantly agree, but I agree with you. Um, and, and the emergence of Kevin Ball – Although he had a couple of moments in the postseason, he deserved to sit a game mm-hmm. here. And he's a young kid, growing pains. With the emergence of Kevin Ball, there's your size. I think the way the team is set up, if you can get Damon to sign on a deal that's maybe not team-friendly, but if you can get it somewhere where it's a deal that you could trade in two, three years if you needed to, um, which will bring me to another point of this whole defensive conversation if we look at everybody's skill sets right <laughs> let's look at Simon Nemec's skill sets who does that remind you more of Dougie Hamilton or Damon Severson Ooh, wait, wait hold on I don't want to agree with you right off the bat what are you gonna Simon Nemec's skill set if you look at it in a bubble mm-hmm. what player does he remind you more of Dougie or Damon I gotta be honest I haven't seen him I haven't I haven't watched him in a while now his skill set reminds me more of Dougie. Does it? Yeah. I haven't watched him in a while, i got to yeah. be honest. He, especially, like, you know, puck moving, right-hand shot, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe not power play captain, but can play power play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I look at it a little differently than most. I don't see him as, like, the Damon Severson replacement. Mm-hmm. I see him as Dougie's replacement in four years when you have to move Dougie down the lineup. That's interesting. That's how I look at him. That's why I'm not hung up with him having to come up now. That's why I think Damon Severson, if you can get him to sign a six-year deal mm-hmm. at what, let's say $7 million, mm-hmm. right? In three years, you can move that if you need to. The yeah. Dougie deal is a little harder to move. I think the only person on the team with a no-movement clause is Palat. So you could trade Dougie at some point if you needed to. Um, but I don't look at Nemich as like an immediate got to plug him right in because I don't think you have a need for him right away. The only thing that I will say about that and with Damon is, and I've talked to a couple of the younger defensemen, they all really enjoy playing with Damon. And even like during his exit interview, he said that like his defensive partner was kind of a rotating door this year. And I don't think that's, I also don't think that's easy for a defenseman to not have that consistent pairing because everyone's style is different. Everyone's play is different. 
But I think there's something about him, his demeanor, and how he plays just a very simple defensive game. He's really good with young defensemen as he their pair. communicates well on the ice. I sat the two rows back in the corner for a game, and he's digging pucks out of the corner, yelling at the winger, yelling at the other defensemen. He is very aware of what is happening yeah. and where his teammates are on the ice. Yeah. I think that leads to some of those gaffes where he's expecting someone to be there because mm-hmm. either they're supposed to or he saw it out the corner of his eye and yeah. he's expecting you to go in a direction in his head. Yeah. Um, but he his communication with his defensive partner is A-plus tops. And I it's think, good. I think that's why a lot of the young guys like to play with him. Yes. So I'm. I was curious now after the postseason – if you asked fans, if you can only keep one, would you rather keep Damon or Ryan? Which one you would go for? Yeah, I think you should put that poll up. <laughs> Honestly, you should. It would be good discourse. Um, it, that would be a very, very good poll. And and with the caveat of comment as to why. Yeah. Because it can't just be, uh, I like him. Or uh, Damon makes me, like, no. Why? Like, what yeah. makes the most sense for the long-term growth of the team? Yeah. Um, you're still in a wonderful position. You've got Holtz as either a plug-in or a trade piece. You've got guys on ELCs. You're going to have people on very reasonable contracts. Mm-hmm. They've done a wonderful, wonderful job of building this team to succeed for the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they can even take Timo to some sort of like super aggressive arbitration and arbitrate his... Um, his claws down to eight and a half million, I think, from ten if they really needed to. Um, Brat's a restricted free agent, so you've got flexibility with him. I mean, they're really they're really set up well, and you gotta give Tom Fitzgerald almost all the credit yeah. for this. Yeah, he did uh, a great job. He uh, under wonderful. He, he understood that to get to have long time long term success, it's going to take a while to build towards that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Nate Bastian said was that. You know, even when we were losing, he's like, we knew what we were building towards. And he said, that's why, you know, when he was picked up by Seattle, because he's very open that that was not a good experience for him. Yeah. And he said, he goes, that was one of the reasons I didn't want to go is because I saw what was going to be built here. And I went through those hard years and it's like, I want to stick it out. I want to see it through. And that's why when I look at a Damon Severson, even a Miles Wood. Yep. It's like they were here through it all, and now when the team's really starting to, like, open up, and now it's, you know, again, they're not going to surprise anybody next year. I'm not saying they're going to be the top of the league again, but they're they're not going to be a surprise. No. And to see players go through the rebuild and then be like, okay, I'm out. Especially, like, because I always said my mind, and I – I liked my conversations with Miles. I think Miles, like I said, is he's very team first. I don't know if anyone cares about that locker room more than Miles Wood does. And to see him, and I'm like, see, for me, Buffalo makes a lot of sense. Yeah. In my mind, for a player like him. Mm-hmm. And Buffalo's still kind of like, I guess, I don't know, you can argue towards the end of a rebuild, maybe getting ready to contend now with Tage Thompson kind of exploding. But it would be unfortunate to go through all those hard years in New Jersey and then not be able to actually enjoy the good times that you went through to get to, you know? It makes you wonder, um, you know, does that matter? Like, you hear so much about the modern pro athlete wanting to get paid, wanting to get paid, wanting to get paid. Um, where's where is Damon from again? He's from a rural area of Canada, right? Yeah, he's out uh, Manitoba. Yeah, like Western Canada. Yeah, I feel like if I'm Damon Severson and I'm I'm on a good team, 
I could be like one of those local rock stars where I could go back to where I'm from in the off season and make 60 to 80 grand just in the off season doing local endorsements. Like mm-hmm. I'm Damon Severson. I drive an Acura from blah, 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 Acura with whatever, you yeah. know, I, I have a buddy who played for the green Bay Packers and he used to make jokes all the time. He was a finance major at North Carolina, played for the Packers for six years, um, got his NFL pension and never spent a dime of his NFL paycheck. He would, he needed a car. He did a Cadillac endorsement. He needed something. He did a whatever endorsement. He would just do endorsements for stuff that he needed. Yeah. And then they would also pay him too. So when he got to Green Bay, there was like an Escalade waiting for him. Him and some of the other guys did mm-hmm. a meet and greet at the dealership. They got Escalades. Yeah. You know, and and I, I could see him being able to do something like that. Like the guys from the Maritimes apparently do that too. Mm-hmm. Like I could see Dawson being a rock star back in the Maritimes. Oh, and just yeah. doing like Dawson Mercer training camps where he just it's a week long camp and Dawson shows up twice and everybody's yeah. super happy and he makes a ton of money. Yeah, like, I could like and you have to be on a good team to do that. Like no one cares if you're on a scrub team. But if you're Damon Severson, one of the top defensemen for one of the top teams in the league, it doesn't matter that it's New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And then so I just wanted to make this point before we, I guess, switch off, switch over from defensemen. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I found really interesting with Kevin Ball and I, I said yesterday there's a maturity to Kevin Ball and his personality that really, like, something's different when you talk to him now. And it might just be the confidence, the fact that he kind mm. of proved that he can kind of play in the league for a certain amount of time, you know, as an NHLer. But there was something different about him. And he was saying that when he was sitting in the uh, suite with Brendan Smith, mm-hmm. Brendan was showing him things and pointing things out to him on the ice. And he goes... I learned so much from him. He goes, I honestly felt like he was a professor. Like the way yeah. that he watched the game and the what the way that he interpreted and kind of just talked me through it. He's a professor of the game. And I said, see, these are the things that people don't realize. And this is why people don't see value in some players more than others. But I'm like, but that is so important. It's huge. And I think that's something we talked about coming into the playoffs. Like, is a guy like Brendan Smith just as useful up in the press box as he would be on your bench? Mm-hmm. There's your answer, as far as I'm concerned. Like, that's a perfect seventh defenseman for this team. Yeah. Like, that's a terrible role for a kid who's maybe going to play some, maybe not. Look at what Holtz went through this year when he was up. Like, kind of playing, kind of not. You could, And you could see it in his kind. Like, he would talk about wanting to be able to play. And he was like, look, if I can't play here, let's go play in Utica. And he seemed happy to be back there and mm-hmm. played well. Uh, he got injured. Did we ever find out what his injury was? I don't believe so. Yeah, I didn't see it anywhere. I know he did end up coming back towards the end of the year. Um, but the, uh, the the Utica comments have, there's talent there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Devils are set up really, really, really well. I mean, your forward group is going to start to get crowded if, if we're transitioning into forward chatter. It's going to start to get crowded here, um, and you're going to have to start making some tough choices. Well, when you look at, if I could actually pull this up mm-hmm. on my phone, the RFAs and UFAs are very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. And before we dive into each one, I'm just going to sit down and say, I told somebody that when you look at the postseason, I felt like there were some players that might get paid, might get a little bit of a raise for what they were able to contribute mm-hmm. and how valuable they were. And then I think there might be some players that might not get as much money as they think they're worth or that their agent thinks that they're worth. 100%. And, and that's just the way it goes. I'll t- right? I'll, I'll be t- I can say it because you have to be in the locker room and, and 
deal with it. There, you can look at both the RFAs that people have been arguing about. Um, Jesper Brett, co- let's be honest, from my perspective, cost himself money. He cost himself money in the postseason and the last month of the regular season. Mm-hmm. He kind of disappeared. Again, why I'm curious if he lost a lot of that weight. That aside, though, um, you know, you look at a guy like Timo who literally breaks his face. Mm-hmm. Broken nose. Breaks confirmed. his face and then is just a bull in a china shop every shift on the ice. Mm-hmm. Every shift. And quite frankly, that's the guy I give the morning to. I and it, it's it's not a it's not a hater thing. It's not anything. And I don't really care that Timo's not a homegrown devil. I'm doing air quotes. Um, he a guy. If you go do that for this team, you deserve to get paid. Well, and again, I think it's about a role because yes. and we said this. What. Meyer did, especially against the Rangers, there was no other player on that roster was gonna, that was going to take on that role. And when Brett met with the media uh, throughout, the, at one point in the postseason, maybe it had to be during the Carolina series. Mm-hmm. Guys, everything, it really does blend together. <laughs> um, but he was saying about how there's other ways to contribute if you're not scoring goals. Yeah. And you saw that with Timo. You mm-hmm. saw that Timo wasn't on the score sheet, but you without a doubt knew he was contributing and I think that Brat specifically mentioned about, you know, even if it's you being on the ice and preventing the other team to score a goal, and I would have to go back and look before I give a definitive opinion on it, but I, you got to go back and look at what Brat did on the ice that obviously wasn't a goal. You have to yeah. look back to see what else he was doing because I know right off the bat I saw plenty of times that he was on the ground because, Car- I mean, Caroline is big. They would go and they knock him down just like they did Jack, just like they did Nico, everybody else. But you'd have to go back and really look to see, did he have a stick in the right lane? How was he on- along the wall? Because I don't know if I told you this last episode, but what made so much sense to me, Dallas Eakin, who was the former Anaheim Ducks coach, he just yes. got fired. His people made it a point to say to him, that when you look at a game, 80% of the puck time is within three feet of the wall. Yeah. And if you can't win those board battles, that's a problem. That is a problem. Um, and when you start getting into, like, redundancy of player types, right? You need to have a good mix of players. Mm-hmm. That's why you see Hall and Hughes work so well together. Because when Hall doesn't have the puck, he's creating space. Mm-hmm. He's going and doing the dirty things in the corner so that Jack doesn't have to. He doesn't get beat up. Mm-hmm. Um, you've noticed Jack's faceoffs got progressively better throughout the year, mm-hmm. too. I wonder if 56 has been working with him in practice on the side with some faceoff stuff. Well, I do know that when Lazar did his media availability um, after the trade, he said that he was actually excited to talk to McLeod and pick his brain because he said he's one of the players that he watched during his, like, how he did faceoffs. Mm-hmm. So he was actually very excited to work with McLeod. Curtis is a right-handed shot, right? I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head. He played so few games. Yeah. Um, but uh, that would make sense if he is. But, uh, you know, let's see. that's the next step for Jack, in my opinion. Lazar, shot, right. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, that, then that would make sense, right? Right-handed face-off techniques. Mm-hmm. You know, Holland and Hughes working on lefty face-off techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened with Tatar and his media availability? So, I have to ask you. I'm no, not that's a good fine. co-host if I it don't. It was so funny because by the end of the day, everyone was so tired and hungry that we're like, okay, we have, like, the two brothers and then we have Tatar. And basically what happened was Tatar was there and just 
I don't know if it was a miscommunication or what it was, but he just wasn't, he didn't go into the locker room. I think what they said was he popped his head in to talk to media, but I think we were dealing with somebody else at the time. So he went back into the other part of the room that media does not go to. And then life happened. And that was, that was the end of that. (laughs) That was the end of that. I listen, I, I mean, you know, I like on a personal level, I love talking to Tatar. Yeah, I know that. I really like him. I like him as a player. I think what he did, again, you could sit, I think there's a lot of players that you can look at and say they were quote unquote, what I saw in it, like invisible in the postseason. Tatar had the goal in game seven. I like Tatar. I think if you can get him back on like a friendly deal, I would like to see him come back. I know after the postseason, when fans were making lists, they all said that they want Tatar gone. Yeah. But again, you can't blame him about Siegenthaler. No, 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 Stop you can't. Stop blaming that's, him for that's, that. I, I just, I just don't see. I don't, I don't know where he plays on this team. If, if Holtz is cracking the top six. Well, let's take a look. So we have yep. to, for unrestricted. We have Tatar, Wood, Hollis, Severson, and Graves. Yeah. Restricted. Which yes. is what I'm more interested in is Brat, which I'm assuming is going to be a long, drawn-out negotiation. You would have to assume at this point. Timo Meyer. Yep. Sharon Govich, which I think is a very intriguing player. I think he's an interesting trade piece to the right team. I, I think he falls into, before I continue on the list, he falls into me kind of like a Pavel Zaka in the respect that you saw him do well in the top six. You know that you get the best out of Sharon Govich when you put him next to Jack. Exactly. But if he's going to be a bottom six player, he's going to have to reinvent his game. Yep. Can he do that is the question that I have. I just don't think we need him to. Um, That's just me. Then you have McLeod, who I think is going to get a nice little raise. Yeah, I, I would, man, I'd love to get him on a nice four-year deal you have bastion yeah who i like i like him a lot too you also have lazar though you have to I think know, about that's that why too. I you said got lazar eh. um you have bolquist another interesting piece because he did not seem to be overly happy when he met the me- he was fine with the media but he didn't seem overly happy with his performance he said it was very inconsistent sure and stuff like that and i think with bolquist he always starts out a little slow but when he gets that repetition and his confidence grows, that's when you see the best. And when you see him at his best, you see he's a strong strong skater. He's very, very good. Good on the penalty kill. But he's an interesting piece as well. Because if you remember, last season, Dawson Mercer basically took his spot at a training camp. Yeah, I know. And that's this is this is where you get into the do you need to pay a veteran like Tatar or can you get basically the same thing from Boquist? Right. Then right. you have Kevin Ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have Blackwood. I know you can't say anything about that one, but I had a very good relation. uh, You don't need it. I had a very good conversation actually with Blackwood. He was very, he's very, very nice. He seems like a great person. He's very, very nice. He does. He seems like, honestly, I feel like I would have a good time going like deer hunting with him. Yeah. I feel like that would be a great experience. He's got a smile on you with no teeth, just laughing, mullet. Good vibes. Kind of awesome, right? Yeah, he's a good good vibes guy. Um, But like, I just don't. I don't see where he fits on the team. Like he's one where I don't see where he fits. I don't see where Graves fits on this team, and I don't see where Tatar fits on this team. I don't see where Sharon Govish fits on this team. Those are the four guys where like they just stick out as. Mm. 
I don't have a spot for you. I'm not saying you're not a useful player or not good. Yeah. Um, I don't have the spot for you or I've got the spot for you, but I can get somebody to do that job cheaper. Well, and that's the thing that Fitzgerald said, right? When you need something, you always look inside the organization first. For sure. To see if you can, if you already have it. And if you don't, then you look on the outside for it. So I think Tatar is going to be interesting because at this point, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I wouldn't be surprised if they feel a young player can come up and take that role. Or I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them resign him. Yeah, I think it really depends on on how they look at Boquist. I really do. I think at how they look at Boquist and what are their expectations for Holtz. At this point, at this point if I'm Tom Fitzgerald, I need, in my head, I need to know what I'm doing with that kid this offseason. He's either going to get every opportunity to make the team or I'm using him in a trade this offseason. I'm not letting it go another year. It's, it, it, is, it is the proverbial pooper get off the pot time. For, yeah. not, for the player and the decision on the player. Because yeah. if you wait another year and he's meh, now you're not, now you don't have the trade piece that you have. Where the, the league still looks at him as a slightly underdeveloped player with an elite shot. Will they still look at him that way in a year if he's still not developed? No. And I don't depends. think they will. And you know what? You can't even sit down and say line combinations because you know that Lindy, if, if Lindy is in fact coming back next year, he rotates the lineup so much that at that point, like, line combinations are out the window. Yeah. But if you have Meyer and he is your elite shooter yep. in your top six, how does that affect Holtz too? Holtz is righty. Holtz is right-handed. So from that aspect, you do not have an elite right-handed shot on yeah. the team. I, it's a we're very lefty-heavy lineup. Mm-hmm. Very lefty-heavy lineup up front yeah. especially. That's, that's where, like, the you would love to see Holtz – you know, grab on, even if it's in, like, a third scoring role, right? Yeah. Um, but you need to you need to decide what you're doing with him. It's and time. I, and I think the one benefit that I'll say with Boquist is what you really saw this year was the coaching staff or Fitzgerald, whoever it is, they love their versatile forwards. They love forwards yes. that they could switch from wing to center, and Boquist has that skill set. He does indeed, and he's a penalty killer. Um, he's a, he strikes me as a very intelligent hockey he's player. He's very intelligent. He, he, is he a smart guy in general? He's a very intelligent hockey player. I've seen smart hockey good... players that are dumb as a box of rocks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Bokwas is quiet. I, that wouldn't surprise me. He's, he's quiet. a quiet, quiet, regal Swede. He's quiet. Yeah. But I, I think that his hockey sense is underappreciated. Yeah, he strikes me as a, as a kid who has a... Um, a good, a better grasp of the game than you would expect. Mm-hmm. It's just my, yeah, layman's looking at it. Um, I like the kid. I really, really want him to stick. I like Zetterland too. <laughs> you know, I know he's a restrictor. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I know. I'm just I'm messing around. There's another guy you don't really have a spot for on this team, um, especially if you. If you sign the guys you're expecting them to sign, if they're able to re-sign yeah. Brat and Meyer, you know your top six is set. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? You know you're not making that that much better. You know the thing everybody's dying on is goaltender, and you yeah, that's break glass I, in case of emergency. I just, I yeah, I mean, I think you're crazy point, if you spend on it this off season. Yeah, you. I mean, I again, people make these decisions or they're getting paid a lot more money than me. Sure. Uh, and they're a lot smarter than me. But I just don't see a reason why you wouldn't run it back with VTech and Akira. Yeah, I think I think not only should you, I think you kind of have to. Yeah. I think you owe it to yourself and your 
talent evaluators and your scouts, the guys that looked at VTech in Washington and were like, hey, Tom, remember that Siegenthaler guy you got for a song and a dance? Here's your next one. Mm -hmm. um, and it looked that way for the first two-thirds of the year. And then right as he hit the mo his maximum games played, that's when you started to see him a little more squirrely in the net, a little more uh, spaghetti legs, I call it, when they're just flipping their legs out at pucks and not caring where the rebound goes, instead of staying controlled and squared to the puck and poised. Um, you, saw, you started to see him get into that, like, tired legs, right? Like, yeah. I don't have the control. I've got the mm -hmm. reflexes, but I don't have that, like, subtle muscle control in my hips yeah. and lower extremities. You could, it, was, it was super obvious. You could see it. Um, and so I, that's why I don't think you have a goalie problem no. yet. Now, if we get to next trade deadline and you're starting to see a trend and you think that this team can absolutely win it all, go get me mm -hmm. Saros or Hellerbuck, depending on who's on the block. Yeah. That's when you go do that. Yeah. And you worry about the re-signing after the fact. That's We're all in this year. Yeah, that's that's to me. That's the we're all in this year move. I don't see how they can do much to improve the team this offseason. Yeah, from I, the outside. I think that this offseason is going to be interesting because last season, you know, you had all the pressure on Fitzgerald. Like you got to do something. Your team finished last, like blah, yeah. blah, blah. And now you have this season where they exceed the expectations. It's a young group. You clearly found the right veteran pieces to insert into the locker room. Clearly. So I would think, that, I mean, I don't know, and Fitzgerald hasn't spoken yet, but I would say at this point it's run it back and focus on your players that are already in the organization. It has to be, unless you have some some chance at something that's not on a mm -hmm. horizon or something like that. Like, who knows? You know every Devils fan wants Quinn Hughes. You know, what if, what if, right? What if Vancouver calls up and is like, yo, we're cleaning house. Like, what do you give us for him? Right? There's, there's, there's scenarios, right? There are scenarios, there are scenarios where you can improve the team. But as far as like what's coming up in free agency, players that are rumored to be out there and available, um, I, I just don't see it. I think your, I think your big free agent quote unquote move was Timo. You just got him a year early. That's, I, to me, that's what I think that feels well, like. Well, and I think, too, look at the Florida Panthers. They made yep. all those moves last year. They brought in these big names. Nothing happened. Look at them this year. God, Matthew Kachuk's built for the playoffs. Okay. Good Lord. Can I? Oh, my God. Is he a playoff player? So, Holy. I, I'm going to get screamed at on Twitter by the time the NHL awards roll around. And I already know it, and I'm not looking forward to it. Do you get to vote? I do. Oh, that's cool. So, this is my second year voting. And last year when I voted, I spent like hours because here's the thing too, right? Especially when it's year one and you're adapting to just being on the B and covering yeah. your team and becoming an expert on your team. The rest of the league is happening. So when I did the awards last year, I went and I did research on like all the other teams, like anything that I might've missed. Oh my God. This year <laughs> I transitioned from the hockey writers to the hockey news right around when the ballot was due. So I was like mentally just like imploding, <laughs> and I, I believe I, for me it's an honor to vote for the award. So I yeah, never, I cool. never don't take it seriously. So I was trying to figure everything out, and the one thing I look at for the Hart Trophy is I always say to myself, I look at who has the most help, and what I mean by that yeah. is when you look at the stats, like if you have player A 
with like 120 points and the next player up has 72 points. Like clearly that one player is carrying the ship. Mm -hmm. And that's how I interpret the award. So if you're there and having a great year, but you have like two or other two or three teammates that are right around that same vicinity as you as far as contribution like contributions to the team. Okay. I don't look at that as valuable. As valuable as, you know, running everything back. Matthew Tuchuk was not on my heart ballot. Yeah. When I did my top five. Yeah. I mean, for reg regular season-wise, he probably shouldn't have been. He was not there. Um, and honestly, I did have a Boston Bruin, but I did not have Pasternak. <laughs> really? Interesting. I did not have Pasternak. Interesting. I was going to say we can... We can play a we can play a guess your ballot game. That'd no, be fun. <laughs> I don't think any. I'm totally I don't kidding. think anybody wants to do that. I know we can't but do that. But when I well, eventually I, everyone in Natalie, the ballots are released yeah, after the awards anyway, which is why I'm like I'm gonna get probably killed on Twitter by people saying that I have no business voting for the awards. <laughs> of course, of but course. I feel like because I, I was telling uh, Ryan, I was like Ryan, I said I'm gonna get like slaughtered on Twitter when my ballot gets released because I like, I I still think I can make an argument for all five that I picked. Uh huh. But for me, when I looked at Boston, because I knew I was putting a Boston Bruins player on my ballot. You had to. You had to. You had to. And you had Pasternak. Obviously, he did what he did. The thing that I got stuck on was Allmark's record was 40 wins, six losses, and one overtime loss. And I was like, you, 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 you can't. I understand that the That's heart. Crazy. I understand that normally goalies don't get the heart. Apparently, I have a thing with goalies because I had Shesterkin as number one on my heart last year, and I actually had Allmark as number two on my ballot this year. Really, I did because I was like, you can't forty six and one. I'm like, you can't. Like, yes, Pasternak did what he did, but I still feel that when you look at that Boston Bruins team, the goaltenders, especially Allmark. They covered up a lot of flaws on that team. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, that is true. A good goalie like that that can totally dominate and has less than 10 losses in a season, that's a, that's a justified yeah. vote. Like, you're not, you're not coming in off the reservation and, and making some crazy claim. Like, I always look at it as the guy, like, if I took you off your team, how good's your team? For for good teams, you can't. You, yeah. you got to be good. Um, and you know, there's obviously an outlier this year with McDavid. Like I think oh, the Oilers I mean, would still be good. Yeah. But like, that's just he's he's playing he's playing a different game. Well, he's literally playing a different game than everybody else that's putting on skates. And I think it's a different game. I think what's funny is I think most people kind of agreed that for the heart, especially this year. We pretty much all think it's going to be unanimous, McDavid, number one. Oh, yeah. So at that point, they're like, who cares about the rest of the ballot? Because you all know who's going to win. But, yeah, I did not have Matthew Tuchuk, and I did not have Pasternak on my ballot. Yeah, you shouldn't get killed for that. Um, I probably will. I, I'm curious I to see how much of the non-New Jersey metro area or metro division media in general how much love did they give to Jack? That's what I'm curious about. Because I bet you the division, because even my Ranger fan friends were like, <gasps> like after mm -hmm. that series, having to play that kid for the next 15 years. Mm -hmm. the, all my Ranger fan friends are like, this is going to be not good when he grows up. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm just curious to see if the rest of mm -hmm. the league media has caught on. It seemed like he was getting more love on the uh, national broadcasts. I think PK helped mm -hmm. a lot uh, yeah. with that. Go he's, PK. first of all, PK's great on TV. Oh, he's, he's, he's he yeah. is 
built to be a broadcaster. He's going to be doing that for years. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see like old gray PK Subban with like Mm -hmm. his gray afro and gray beard Mm -hmm. calling hockey games till he's 80 years old and be like the new Don Cherry. I guarantee you he's going to dress like a gem. Yeah. So Jack, (laughs) I actually did have Jack on my ballot. Not, Not top three, but he was in the ballot. And that was only because when you looked at it, he had 99 points. Nico had 80. Yeah. So you're looking at almost, if I could do math, like a 20 point difference. Yeah. Um. So that to me was like a standout. And take Jack off the Devils, and the Devils don't even make the playoffs. Well, and that's always what I kind of look at yeah. because I also did. Um. And I said, st- I said, I'm like, people are gonna hate on this too, but I stand by it. Miko Rantanen. If Miko Rantanen did not do what he did while Colorado dealt with the injuries that they had, mm-hmm. that team was nowhere near making the playoffs. Granted, what? they got eliminated in the first round, but I said no player was more valuable to their team, keeping their team afloat, than Miko Rantanen was. Because you have to look at all the massive injuries that Colorado had. That's a very good case. Thank you. That's a very good case. Thank you. Yeah. He, yeah. I think my top three yeah. were Connor McDavid, uh, Allmark, and then Miko Rantanen. Because I said, if you look at most valuable, he kept that team afloat. Because in the beginning of the season, all you heard out of Colorado was McKinnon, down. Landeskog, down. Yeah. McCarr, down. You need yeah. somebody to keep that team afloat, and that's what Miko Rantanen did. Yeah. Who's your pick to win the cup now? Now the Devils are out, and we can look at this objectively. I'm going to put you, you on the spot here. You know what's hilarious? Who's your team? I did a podcast in, um, like, October, November, and I hate predicting. I hate it. But I was on a podcast, and they were like, who's going to win the cup? And I actually said Carolina. <laughs> I said Carolina in October, November. This is the worst show ever, because I'm going to agree with you again. I um, think Carolina's really good. I, and I said on the last show, I'm like, I thought we matched up with Carolina well, because I thought our mm-hmm. speed would... Ne- would negate that four check, mm-hmm. and um, I I was wrong. I was very very. Wrong. I think a lot of people were wrong. It's very that. wrong. I think a lot. A lot. I think. I mean, I knew people that said that they had like when the Devils were playing in Carolina, they had like Devils in five. Um, that's aggressive. Yeah, they were. You know, people were wrong, but that's the fun of the game. See, I and I said to I said to my husband, I said I'm actually so excited to now watch the postseason as just like a fan of the sport. And yeah, just, like, have Sam because I I was telling somebody I said watching it when I cover a game I watch it differently than if I'm just watching it for entertainment. Yeah, it's funny. I started watching games differently now too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really trying to play pay more attention to the plays off the ice because Mm -hmm. you know you get people that interact with you on social media that are reactive and like push button crazy and you have to like Mm -hmm. you have to be able to be like look i understand what you're looking at Mm -hmm. in the stat box and this and that but what you're not seeing is x and y as the play gets driven down and the work that's getting done in the corner Mm -hmm. Uh, one thing i will give brad a ton of credit for in the postseason is he still back checked like a damn animal yeah he was invisible in the offensive zone but he back checks like a absolute man on fire and he kept doing that even when you could tell like facially and physically that he was struggling and it's those are the things that a lot of people like don't pay attention to I have one buddy um I've known all my life and he's his thing is football he's a football expert Mm -hmm. I defer to him on football I wish he'd defer to me a little bit more on the hockey considering I've played it my entire life and Mm -hmm. understand and that it's it's a whole thing, right? Um, and he's like, he's like, I don't know about Timo after the last game. And I'm like, we are not watching the same people playing this sport. 
And he's like, and the goalie's got to go too. I'm like, do you, yeah, how many, I'm like, Joe, how many games did he play last year? I don't know. doesn't matter. All this load management is soft. I'm like, cool. You can think it's whatever you want. And I'd, I'd, I'd use that line. I'm like, just remember, these guys are facing wrist shots that used to be slap shots. The speed and the intensity of the game is at least double what it was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, yeah. the game is completely changed. It's, it, and like I said, it, it will always be just your perspective and how, I mean, sometimes you just, listen, some people just want to be a casual fan. They just want to turn on the TV, not really know the nuances of anything or the players and just want to like watch something on TV. It's the casual expert that drives me crazy. But what I will tell you is the one game People were like, you know, saying about, you know, when they were saying Brat was invisible, they was th- were throwing Nico into that group too. And then Nico did the post game interview and he goes, I'm trying my best. And then you hear like the human aspect of it and people were like, oh my God, I feel so bad for Nico. And I said, see, that's like where people like me come in. Yes. Because you try to connect what you saw on the ice to the human being that is behind the jersey. Oh, for sure. Because when you hear the human element of it, then it's like you realize, oh, okay, like he really is trying his best. Like he's not scoring goals, but like he's doing everything he can. And that's where there's a difference, guys. There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. But that's why the same people that are like, why aren't you like screaming at people or like putting them on the spot in the locker room? Because you're not in the room. You're not reading the room. And, and you need to you need to work with these people. Like I always use this example too. It's like, would you just run in and start yelling at your coworkers? You would not, you, especially coworkers. Like, here's a great example for me, right? Like, I'm a, I'm a VP in the company that I work for, um, so inevitably I'm high up on the list, right? Mm-hmm. But production doesn't report to me. Everybody else does, not production. Mm-hmm. So, if I came in and started like just yelling at production when I need something from them, they're going to be like, "Well, f this guy." Right, and it's going to be the same for you. If you come in and start being like, "Oh, I just suck today," and throwing a microphone in somebody's face, they're not going to give you what you need to do your job. Mm-hmm. It's super simple. There is a balance, and I actually think over the summer because I'm hoping now because again, my I wasn't expecting the transition when it happened, so I was just like, <laughs> I was just like just trying to figure out life there for a while. I'm hoping now that it's the off season, we can get back to like a weekly schedule for, for sure our, for our listeners. Absolutely, um, that was my fault, guys. That was 100 percent my fault. Um, <laughs> it's crazy, yeah, and it's it gets it gets um, it gets interesting with it uh, with that time of year for me too because it's the brewery's anniversary mm-hmm. and the Devils are in the playoffs and I'm like juggling a million things around just to be able to watch the games. <laughs> I'm like blowing stuff off and rescheduling. I'm like, I had a conference call and a bar training, two different things that were important that I was like, hey, uh, yeah, I need to push this 24 hours. Like, so sorry for the inconvenience, guys, because there was a devil's game on. So what I'm (laughs) actually thinking, because from, and I love when our listeners like DM me and like give insight or just like opinions on the shows and stuff like that. Like, I love that. And what really is interesting to me is the, the shows that we do that I think resonate with our listeners are kind of like like the like get to know us show yeah. where it was about like our job and like just kind of like life and things like that which I wasn't expecting which is great and me so either. cool <laughs> but on that same note I'm thinking of seeing if Ryan's schedule allows it to have Ryan come on and we can have a show where we can kind of talk about his first year on the beat and kind of the things that people don't know that we do That'd and be kind awesome. of just like 
the little things, like when we're trying to just pay attention on just like sleeping and eating, like all the dumb things that you kind of forget about as you're just typing a million articles or trying to get your content out. So I'm thinking to have Ryan on and kind of not talk about the devils, but talk about our experience covering the team and kind of what I learned in year two and what he learned in year one. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, I have, uh, I have so many questions for both of you. That would be a fun little like roundtable discussion because I think people would be surprised how similar what people that think interesting jobs are, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I have people love that it's the most interesting thing in the world, what I do. So, like, if I don't want to deal with that, I'm just like, ah, I'm in beverage sales. It's not, not yeah. interesting. If I feel like being I'm like, ah, beer company. Da, 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 da. Yeah, um, so-, so I think people always have, like, common misconceptions about things that are like, oh, you know, like, you have your dream job. That's so awesome. And you're like, yeah, but it's still a job. And, like, we still deal with, like, the... Oh, I don't want to do this today. It's and just, like it's just it's human. And like burnout is a real thing. And I think these oh, are all yeah. I think these are all really fun things to kind of just like give Devils fans just a little idea of kind of like what the season's like for Ryan and myself. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun and we can do that here too. Um, just thanks again to the Dojo of Comedy in lovely Morris Plains, New Jersey. Uh, dojoofcomedy.com. Uh, I'm the sound engineer here. Uh, we have shows every Friday and Saturday. In fact, we've got a special treat coming up uh, a week from today. We have Mark Norman here for two shows. Uh, you know him from many, many podcasts, uh, most notably the Joe Rogan Protect Our Parks podcasts. Um, but check all the time. We've got some great local comics that work here often. Uh, please come down, support live comedy. Uh, we're really, really trying to bake a New Jersey comedy scene, and we're working real, real hard at it. Uh, we got to plug our producer's website, uh, BillAxe.com. Uh, Bill is a graphic designer. He does freelance work. Uh, he does editing, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and he has worked really, really hard with us all season long to make sure that we get the shows out. Um, he's also been dealing with a major life transition the last month or so. So, um, you know, apologize for any sort of, you know, gaps in content. But, you know, we're going to try to get you as much as we can here uh, as the NHL playoffs wind down. Uh, for once, we don't have to pay attention to the draft. I, I don't know. care who the top 15 players in the draft are. <laughs> it's awesome. And same with the NFL draft. I was like, oh, the draft is tonight. It was literally complete afterthought. <laughs> um, it's been an absolute joy and pleasure to do this with you all year. And this has been super, super fun. It's you know, it's really fun because when I've started out this quest to do a podcast, I ha- I I'm a Capricorn, so everything with me has to be like it's like perfection. Like I have to <laughs> it's one of my like it's a, it's a downfall too. And uh no, you were definitely the right fit. Um as far as personality goes, you're definitely like you're the opposite of me, which is what I really wanted cuz I was like oh, who, perfect. who wants to sit and listen to two of me? Nobody. <laughs> um and, you know, it's funny because I don't think in my personal goals I accomplished with the podcast what I originally set out to do, but it ended up just being a lot of fun. Yeah. It just became a real fun to talk about it and talk about hockey. And we'll just, you know, again, everything in life is a journey for me. So oh, like, yeah, this me is too. just another journey that, you know, hopefully we get a better, you know, schedule and system now that I'm with the hockey news and I have a whole off season to get my life in order. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we've got a spot to do uh, shows in person if we want. Yes. So that's always that's always a plus. I mean, we're both, you're slightly further north. Are you still Morris County or are you Sussex County? I'm Sussex there? County. Okay, I was going to say, you're either very northern Morris or Sussex. Yeah, I'm Sussex. like as southern Morris County as it can get. I think there's like one more town south of mm-hmm. me. Um, but 
you know, it's it's nice being able to record in person. This is yeah, a lot of fun. This is fun. So Sweet. we literally just rambled for like an hour. I yeah. hope you guys enjoyed that. <laughs> and we will be back with more content soon. We will indeed. See you guys.